Please pray, come Holy Spirit, with me three times. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, as we enter into the end of our liturgical cycle, and we hear about the end times, we just ask for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit to call us to respond to the the demands of the gospel. Please help us to know how much you love us and respond to that love with great service. We make all of these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. One of my favorite things to do as a priest is to go over to the school and just kind of see how the kids are doing. And this past week, um, I was able to go to the third and fourth grade classrooms and the teachers were kind of hinting at the kids might be becoming a little bit ungrateful. And it was just kind of funny to me because I immediately had this idea. I was like, ooh, I want to play a trick on them because some of them had a substitute teacher for the afternoon. So I just wrote on the board in nice big letters, Father Zach is watching you, dot, dot, dot. And I kind of just would walk through the halls throughout the afternoon and they're all looking around, like, where are the cameras? Where are the microphones? Um, and it was, just, it was just kind of interesting to see them, how they were reacting. And then I kind of just stand in the doorway just looking. There he is. He is watching us. And just kind of look at them because we expect the best out of our students. We expect the best because, because ultimately we have so much to be grateful for. We have so much to be grateful for. And sometimes we get into habits of complaining and negativity And when we really look at things in perspective of of the passion of Jesus, which is what I want to talk about next, is the passion of Jesus, it really makes us think, why would I ever complain about anything? My encouragement and my invitation today is, let's start Thanksgiving today and never end it. Start Thanksgiving today and never end it. Because when we look at just the passion narratives of Jesus, Jesus just instituted the Eucharist. He just gave his body and blood to his, to his apostles. And then he went to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And he's in the Garden of Gethsemane praying. Three of his best friends fall asleep. And the intensity of what he's feeling, about what he's about to go through, because, because he's going to take on all of the sins of the world, he actually starts sweating blood. Have you ever had friends fall asleep on you in one way or another? Have you ever felt just extremely overwhelmed? But did Jesus complain? Nope. And who was he thinking about the whole time? You. He's thinking about me and how much he loves us. And then his, one of his best friends, Judas, came up to him to betray him, kissed him on the forehead, so the cohort of 600 Roman soldiers could come get this one man. And then they put a burlap sack over his head. So he, couldn't, he didn't know where he was going. They tied his hands behind his back and they pushed him and they kicked him and they made fun of him. Did he complain? Nope. And who was he thinking about the whole time? He's thinking about how much he loves you. He wants to spend eternity with you. He's thinking about me. And then they threw him into a cistern, a big dark Uh, carved out piece of rock in a dark, dark place feeling probably very alone. Maybe you felt alone. Wondering, when's the light going to come? But did he complain? 
Nope. And who was he thinking about the whole time? He was thinking about how much he wants to be with you forever. How much he wants to be with me forever. And then they brought him out before Pontius Pilate. And Pontius Pilate interviews him. Doesn't find anything wrong with him. Doesn't even find him guilty. He said, well, go take him to be scourged, whipped and scourged. And as Jesus' hands are tied to that pillar, he's whipped over and over for your sins and for my sins. And then they use a device that always makes me take a step back. They use a device where it's a wooden pole, and on the pole there's leather attached to a piece of rock. And on that rock there's sheep bone embedded in it, and it's meant to grip and rip. And they would take that and they would, they would whip Jesus and it would pull off pieces of his flesh. By the time they were done scourging Jesus, he didn't have any skin left on his body. A lot of people don't know that. You could see his ribs. You could see bone. And did he complain? Nope. And who was he thinking about the whole time? He was thinking about how much he loves you and how much he desires to be with you for eternity. And then they brought him out before, before Pontius Pilate again. And they put a burlap sack around his shoulder to make it look like he was a king, right? And they put a crown on his head to embarrass him. And they said, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. That's what you and I do every time we sin. We say crucify him. Every time we complain, we say crucify him. But did he, cru- did he, did he complain? Nope. And they made sure they embedded that, that, um, that crown of thorns into his head even deeper. They took a reed and pushed it into his head. And that crown of thorns, had the thorns had poison in them, so it made his face become very, very puffy. You couldn't even see that it was a human person anymore. And they go take, just walk across and punch him in the face. Come on, king. Come on, king. And they put a reed in his hand to make fun of him as looking like a scepter. But did he complain? Nope. He was thinking about how much he loves you and how much he desires to be with you for eternity. And then they released Barabbas, you know, a man who literally killed another person. They released the unworthy. Jesus is totally worthy. He's not guilty, doesn't complain, and he takes that beam upon his shoulders and they tie his hands to that beam, two to 300 pounds upon his shoulders that have no skin on them anymore, by the way. And it's 90 to 110 degrees, and he hasn't had water or anything to drink. He's dehydrated for three days. Does he complain? No. And the only thing to stop his fall when they tripped him and they pushed him was his face. So now he has pieces of stone, dirt embedded into his wounds. Did he complain? Nope. Who was he thinking about the whole time? 
He was thinking about how much he loves you and wanted to reconcile you to the Father. And then they laid him down. Actually, before they laid him down, they actually had to rip that burlap sack off of his back, which now had become one with his skin. The scab had become one, so they had to rip that off to reopen the wounds. Didn't complain. And then they nailed his hands to the beam. And you have a major nerve that goes all the way through your arm into your shoulder. And a lot of people believe that the pain was so intense that it actually dislocated his shoulder. If you've ever had nerve pain, imagine putting a metal spike through it. And think about how sensitive your feet are, having your feet nailed to a cross. Have you ever been tickle tortured when you were a kid? Maybe you remember that? And our feet are so sensitive to so many nerve endings and having your feet nailed to a cross. But did he complain? Nope. And who was he thinking about the whole time? He's thinking about you and he was thinking about me. In order to breathe, he had to pull himself up because you die of suffocation on a cross. And all that came out of his mouth was mercy, mercy, mercy. Today you will spend eternity with me, to a man who's a thief. You'll, become, you'll come to paradise with me. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Mother, behold your son, he says to Mary. And son, behold your mother, he says to John, the beloved disciple. And he says to all of us. And then he dies. He says, it is finished. The devil's rule over the world is finished. Now before the resurrection, before the resurrection, knowing what he just did for you and I, we can never comprehend that amount of love. But what should our response be to that? I would hope our response would sound like, I am so sorry for my sins. I repent of my sins. I would hope our response would be, thank you for what you've done for me and all of my family, all of my friends, and all of those who have no clue who you are. You still did it, Jesus. And I hope it would come down to, how can I repay you? How can I give back? How can I give everything back to you because you gave everything back to me? And we don't have to park at the cross. But we do have to experience his passion. And Jesus is calling us to experience that and go through the cross and experience the power of his resurrection. And that's what Jesus did for us. What are you doing for him? What am I doing for him? It's Stewardship Sunday. A steward is somebody who actually responds to the good news of the gospel, knowing that death and sin have no reign over the world. But if we encounter Jesus in his passion, it kind of makes us feel little. It shrinks our egos, which is really, really good. Because when our egos are inflated, when it's all about me, I complain an awful lot. But when I look at what Jesus did for me on the cross, 
When I look at his, his beautiful word in the, in the Holy Bible, in the scriptures, it has to call me to, to, to empty of myself and be more filled with him. Jesus talks to us in our gospel reading today about the end times. But we don't have to be scared about the end times if we're living in relationship with him. But it should ultimately lead to a lot more gratitude. Here's my forever challenge, the same challenge I gave to our third graders this week, our fourth graders this week, and our fifth graders this week. I said, this is your challenge. Never complain ever again. Ever. Are you going to fail? Absolutely. But when you look at things in perspective, we have so much to be grateful for in the United States. When you look at other countries, what, and, and the, the weird thing is, is they have less than us in other countries, and yet they're more joyful. We have so much to be grateful for. If we tried to do what we're doing in other countries, a lot of us would be thrown in jail if we tried to celebrate Mass. If we tried to pray in public. If we told people that we believe in Jesus, you would be thrown in jail for that. And Jesus said, because of these persecutions, because of this pressure, he said it will, it will lead to your giving testimony. And I think testimony is really, really important. How is Jesus active in your life? What has he done for you? How have you encountered him? And does it come out in joy? Does it come out in peace? Does it come out in compassion? Or is it complaining, complaining, and complaining? So much to be grateful for. And in, in your pews, there are stewardship forms at the end of the pews. And I want to encourage you to open those, to look over them, but to pray about where Jesus is calling you to serve. Pray, come Holy Spirit. Because it would be so strange that when you and I die and when we meet Jesus, and he said, he asks you a few questions. And he said, I'm, I'm so glad to see you. I love you so much. You'll never know my passion for you. How did you give back? And you said, I did this, 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 I did this. And then he looks at you and he says, but you never asked me what I wanted you to do. You never asked me what I wanted you to do. Then make sure that we're serving as the Lord is calling us. And the other question I think he's going to ask us is, you knew about all of this good news. You knew about my passion. That's great. So who did you bring with you? How many friends did you tell about me and my infinite love for them. And if you and I look back and there's nobody there, these Gospels are gut-wrenching because they talk about the end times. But we can take a step forward today by praying and asking how can I serve and taking up that challenge of how can I make steps to never complain again because we have it so good. We have a loving God and when it, when it comes to Thanksgiving, I know it's in about a week and a half, we should start Thanksgiving today and every day because we have so much to be grateful for. If you want to suffocate your heart, if you want to suffocate the Lord working your heart, just complain. But if you want him to expand your heart, if you want him to blow your mind about how amazing he is, if you want to know how much he loves you, just start thanking him and praising him. Go through your whole life. Look at all of your many blessings. And even the word Eucharist means thanksgiving. 
But in the church, it means super thanksgiving because he's about to place his body in your hands or on your tongue. He's about to place his blood in you through the sacred chalice. And he's giving himself fully to you. And what he asks back is yourself fully to him and his bride, the church. Are we serving? Are we responding to the call? Because that's what stewardship is. It's a response. It's a responsibility because the Lord has given us so much, especially for those of us who are confirmed. To pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, to pray for those gifts of the Holy Spirit to start working in our lives. Because the Lord will indeed provide for us. And it just comes down to one thing. Just don't quit. I gave that homily a few weeks ago. Just don't quit. Because he says, Jesus ends with by saying, by your perseverance, you will secure your life. So you don't have to worry. To be secure is to be hopeful, to know that I'm going to be okay. But it's basically just don't quit. And don't complain. So let's take a moment of silence. Maybe open those sheets that are at the ends of your pews and just look at them and say, Holy Spirit, where are you calling me to? How can I most thank God for what he's done for me on the cross? Because you and I are all going to die. One and one die. And when we, when we meet our maker on our deathbed, when we meet him, how big of a smile do we want to meet our maker with to show him how we responded to his call his promptings, where he called us to serve. And he gives you himself in the Eucharist to give you everything you need. He gives you his spirit. He gives you his church. Let us respond with no complaining and to be super grateful for what he did for us in his passion. But we don't have to end there because there is the power of the resurrection which gives us his spirit, which gives us the grace to die to self to let him live through us. And as you come down the aisle to receive his body and blood, he's giving you himself. How will you give yourself back to him?